podcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Everybody, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 745, I almost forgot of I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, and the scholarly Brittany Page, everybody. Well, very exciting news on the Jesse D front. You're going to be filling in for oh, yeah, yeah. David Pacman over the next week. I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Friday. Is that right? That's right. Starting, what what day is that? Is that the 11th? 10th. 10th through 13th. Okay. 10th yeah. through 13th. Very exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> it was out of the blue. Um, my manager got an email from from the aforementioned David Pakman mm-hmm. uh, asking if I would be interested in, in co or not co-hosting, but... Uh, Filling uh, in. Yeah, being a substitute teacher for the week. Well, so. he goes on vacation. He's on vacation, right? I think he's in Spain or something. It sounds awesome. Yeah. So good times. It, it will be a good time. I'm kind of interested to see, because <laughs> uh, his audience is certainly much, much larger. He's got over, not a million more, but more than a million more yeah, subscribers yeah. on YouTube than I do. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting because he's got a, he's, he's not Jesse D. I don't know if you know. Well, and let's say you're a fan of David Pakman. That's why yeah, you sure. agreed to fill in because you you really enjoy his content. You're a fan of him. Yeah, and... I mean, when when Stephen Crowder asked me to sit in <laughs> during his surgeries, oh. I really I labored over the decision, but I ultimately told I ultimately told him no. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm spitting all over myself. Yeah. Well, I'm also excited because we'll be, you and I will be recording the bonus content for David Pakman's subscribers. His uh, his membership audience. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we'll be doing that too. And, and that'll be awesome. I mean, it's going to be a great experience for you. I'm, I'm super excited for you. And everyone needs to check it out. Make sure you have your calendars marked. August 10th through 13th, Jesse Dollimore on the David Pakman YouTube channel, and uh, don't miss it. It will be a good time. And also, not like he's going to be listening or watching this while he's on vacation, but thanks. Thanks, David. Uh, I appreciate the the offer and thinking of me. Uh, I don't think it's like taking a risk or anything, but, uh, you know, I'm a little guy. I'm a little fish in in this particular genre or space on YouTube. Yeah. And that's not to say that I'm not appreciative of the 300 and some thousand subscribers. It's a big fucking deal. Oh, for sure. But uh, it's nice to be thought of. It's nice to be thought of, Brittany Page. It is. <laughs> you know, we have been avoiding a certain topic for the past month. Yeah, yeah. And yesterday was the month memorial, I guess. Yeah, um, I called it the death anniversary yesterday, which I don't think is the proper term, but. Probably not super reverent, but that's not exactly how we handle things. Well,. It's been a process, so... For sure. We lost... The death of our dog, Popeye. Yeah, we lost our dog, Popeye, uh, one month ago on July 6th. Um, Is that right? Yeah. That's right, yeah. And 
we haven't been able to talk about it because it was so hard. I mean, we loved him so much, but we we feel like we're in a place where we can talk about it now. And we actually feel like it's important to talk about it because we did at-home euthanasia. And I, I'm not sure if a lot of people know what that entails or that that's even an option when their pet's health starts to fail. Yeah. And so... We got a diagnosis from um, the vet with Popeye that he had two tumors on his liver. Uh, One was the size of a baseball, they said, and it was bleeding. So they told us that they believed it was cancer. Which, by the way, is massive for the size of a guy he was. I mean, he was a foot and a half tall, Mm -hmm. like 18 inches tall and 50 pounds. I mean, he was like a... Like a brick, but but a small dog. He was small. For sure. So we got that diagnosis on May 28th, and they quoted us $20,000 to possibly save him. And we just decided to not go through with that. And we brought him... Not put him through that, too. Yeah. And we brought him home. And his last day here was uh, July 6th. He made it from May 28th to July 6th. We had a lot of time to process it with him, um, to, you know, savor certain moments. I remember there would be times where I would be kissing his cheeks and thinking about how I wouldn't always be able to do that. Yeah. And um, it helped you, it helped me um, process and grieve once he was gone because I had done a lot of that while he was still here. In advance. But... Um, on the day that we had to put him down, I was at work and you had texted me and you said something is wrong with Popeye. And that was like the middle of the day. It was around noon. And I called you right away to figure out what you meant. And you said, oh, it's nothing to be super concerned about. He just seems like more lethargic. There's something, there's something wa- seems off. He's wanting to go outside to pee a lot. Yeah. Which if you know bulldogs... <laughs> They're not really outside dogs, at least in my experience with the the multiple that I've had. And Popeye was definitely not. I mean, yeah. he was an inside air conditioned. Yes. Yeah, he needed. He was the air a luxury pup. Yeah. <laughs> so, a little, a few hours later, I was on the way home. Called you, and you said, "Okay, um, he's he's peeing blood. There's blood in his urine. Like chunky, clotted, having a hard time passing it." That's what was taking him so long to go outside and be outside for 15 or 20 minutes at a stretch because he had to, it was, he was in, he was, in, he was in, uh, it was miserable. And every hour that was happening. Yeah. So I got home from work, um, saw it in action, saw him going outside, saw the blood clots. Uh, we started having the conversation about making the call. I think there was some rationalization on my part of oh well you know it was just the fourth of july maybe it's all the watermelon that we were giving him like maybe you know like i know it's stupid but i was like no no and it's totally natural i'm just i'm reminiscing fondly of memories of popeye yeah yeah just which is the place that i'm in now yeah um so it it was weird to make the call for the at-home euthanasia people and um uh, there were a lot of tears and they showed up at like eight, around eight thirty, maybe. Yeah. 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 And, um, Popeye, I think that Popeye knew she was, this doctor was there to murder him because 
He, Which, by the way, is our gallows humor. <laughs> yeah. The way we've been dealing with it. It's how we've been coping. Is that we dispatched a lady to come and murder Popeye. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have dark senses of humor. Anyway. Because um, he was not happy that she was there. And mostly because she wasn't petting him. Yeah. And, and that's... Well, let's go through that real quickly. Yeah. yeah. If you come to the house, yeah. y- you got to show some deference to the dog. He doesn't need yes. he doesn't need you to to give him a ton of attention, but just acknowledge him, give him a little pet, and then he'll then he's like, oh yeah, that's enough, good. But the fact that she was not, yeah. he stood right in front of her face while she was prepping her her death kit, and uh, and was barking, 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 getting in her face, yeah, barking. Like, what is happening here, lady? Yeah. I, don't you see me? Right. <laughs> And listen, she did a wonderful job. For sure she did. She was very patient, explained everything very thoroughly. We were both hysterical. Yeah, I was ugly crying, like making involuntary snorting and sniffling and noises. And it right. was it was um, super, I mean, insanely emotional. Yeah. So uh, he had to go out one last time. He headed for the door in the middle of her explaining what the process yeah, would yeah, be yeah. because he had another um, blood session that he needed to have and came back in, um, gave him a sedative. She, she injected him with a sedative. He was out literally within two minutes. I have I have photos on my phone yeah, yeah, yeah. of him with his ass in the air staring into the camera. And then two minutes later, he's crashed out in his bed she said to start feeding to get his mind off of what's happening to like feed him treats or whatever yeah so we sliced up an apple which he loved i mean maybe his favorite goddamn thing in the world yeah we fed him a few slices of apple i pushed him down into his bed and i thought he was gonna fight and he was just i mean really snoring 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 away yeah as though he had just took taken a nap yeah, and so we waited the 10 minutes to make sure the sedative had fully kicked in, um, and she came over and, again, was explaining things along the way. We were both holding him, yeah. and then she announced when his uh, heart had stopped beating, and, again, very respectful, carrying the dog out to her car. Um, it's emotional to think about it. For sure. And talk about it still. But again, we wouldn't have been able to talk about it at all. Like we would have had to get up from the mics, go somewhere else, take a break. Now it feels there's more distance from it. And you have been helping me through this a lot because you've put things into perspective of how we were able to make the call that day. I mean, he started to show us that he was in decline and really... The signs, no other signs were there. People always say, oh, they'll stop eating. They'll, you know, move away from you. They'll start to hide. He was doing none of that. His appetite was totally normal. He was begging for food constantly like he always did. (laughs) His activity level was totally normal. He was still jumping up on the couch. Didn't seem in pain. No. But clearly on that last day. Right. It was. So, so in the. We're gonna. I'm not gonna be able to go through the whole thing, so we're gonna have to cut it short. But um, we we started thinking about what we wanted to do, <clears throat> and we thought with our heads and not with our hearts, and understood that to prolong his his being here with us was selfish on our part, right? Because we knew we were gonna miss him so goddamn bad, <clears throat> and. Um, Anyway, we did the right thing. 
Right. Right. We did the right thing for him. And we did the right thing by him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we feel good about. Um, but I would recommend that, you know, anyone who gets a diagnosis for their pet that you kind of prepare in advance. It was really helpful to have the number to call to have read about it already, to know kind of what the process would be so that when that day came, we were prepared and we made the call and they came out. It was, you know, not an easy process because it's it's grief. I mean, you're you're losing a family member. For sure. But it made it a lot easier just to be prepared so that when you're in that moment of not wanting to say goodbye and you're trying to process all these overwhelming emotions at least you have a plan in place, a plan of action. And Popeye had severe anxiety. Anytime he went to the vet, it was a bad situation. So for him to... Like bloody diarrhea for days. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to go there, but... Um... <laughs> that's what I do. That is what I do. And that's what would happen. I bring us there. Yeah. And so for dogs who have that experience... We got a new couch. And it was bloody <laughs> diarrhea for a couple of days. I, I, we don't know if it's anxiety tied to his prior... Because he was a rescue. Right. So we don't know if it's in his past life... These things connected the dots to something that was stressful for him or whatever. Right, right. But anyway. Yeah, the anxiety. So it was nice that he didn't have to go through that. His his last moments weren't filled with anxiety being at a vet. He was able to be at his home, dominating the lady who came, <laughs> um, eating his favorite snack and going to sleep in his bed. I mean, what more could you hope for for an animal that you love? So if if you're ever in this situation and I... You know, I know that those of you out there who have pets, uh, who have experienced this, know what we're talking about. Um, but it's better to be prepared. And I, I just highly recommend the at-home euthanasia services. They're expensive. Sure. It, w- it was expensive. but um, It was expensive whether it be after hours or not. It was, yeah. it was expensive. Yeah. So. But or I think- l- relatively. I mean, I don't know anybody else's financial situation, but it was a lot. Yeah, so just be prepared for that and do your research, have a plan. But uh, thank you to everybody who's been supportive. I, I mean, I can't say enough about how many people who have reached out to us and for just sure. it's been awesome. So thank well, you. Listen, it is, and we'll end we'll end on this unless you have something else. But it, people say that we don't deserve dogs. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> It's fucking true, man. You know, just... If we could endeavor one another as humans to show the kind of unconditional love that and, and loyalty and just, ah, just excitement about each other as, as dogs have for human beings. Goddamn. I mean, it is a special kind of asshole who abuses... I mean, anybody but a dog or an animal, an innocent. It just, I get it. I, I completely get it. So, well, yeah. I mean, Popeye was <laughs> very um, hesitant with us in <laughs> yeah, the beginning. He was very sure. hesitant. And there were certain things that he did that we didn't talk about on the show. Um, he bit me one time and yeah, yeah. drew blood. He and bit me. I have a permanent scar on my arm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> he bit you. He bit me right on the face. He bit you on the face. I was fucking with him. Yeah. I was. Well, what did I was, you do? I was trying. What to, did you? I do? was trying to brag to you that uh, he's not, <laughs> he loves me. He's just being a tough guy. Yeah. He's not going to do anything. And I put my face. I was pulling him back on my lap, upside like upside down, which he hates. He hated. And that. I leaned in like you're fine, and he went. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. And yeah. he reached over and just bit me right on the cheek. Thank God that you like the beard on me. <laughs> I look like, uh, who's the country music singer? Hank Williams Jr. After falling <laughs> off a cliff in my face. Well, we don't know what you look like because you haven't shaved the beard yet. So who knows what could be under there with this dog bite? <laughs> Nobody um, wants to see what's under the beard. Yeah, but uh, again. Anyway, but we loved him. Yeah. He was beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And we'll miss him forever. And we want to thank the audience so much yes. for all of the patience and the love and the kindness and the empathy that's been shown our way uh, it, o- over the course of this because it's been uh, tremendous and necessary that we had um, the support. For sure. So anyway, uh, as we always do, let's get to some listener communication before we move on. Um, let's drop the phone number here, uh, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. I believe we have an email. I know we have some voicemails. Which should we begin with? Email since I'm prepared for it. All right. Hello to you both. I have a friend who was on holiday with his family in the pre-COVID USA, mostly in Chicago and later driving from Seattle and Yellowstone. Around the same time, the brother of a second friend was living in Florida. Both recount being struck by comments consistently coming from white people they met expressing an expectation of coming widespread attacks by black Americans and a resulting race war. It's interesting that people feel the need to express such concerns with visitors. Is this a surprise to either of you? Are these underlying feelings Americans are broadly aware of? They seem to be less of a fear of replacement and more an irrational expectation of violent removal. I hitchhiked around parts of Canada and the USA in the 1970s. I have never been to a more overtly racist country than the U.S., but I would have expected progress in the subsequent 45 years. If these reported views are representative of current geographically widespread feelings, they suggest that things may now be worse. Best regards, John Hall. Wow. Well, um, I don't know uh, about the claim of us being the most overtly racist country. Certainly, there's a lot of racism here. But every country has its particular uh, flavor and history with racism, especially um, majority white countries and Western uh, countries. But I, I don't. I don't know. I, I think that there is, especially related to the to the um, replacement versus violent removal. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of go hand in hand, and it is a. Um, it's kind of a slippery slope. One kind of converges into the other with these people. That you begin. With with uh, training wheels of of the great replacement theory, and then you move into the white genocide thing until you're a fervent believer that there's going to be some kind of a weird race war. I mean, I think it's it steps uh, along the path of conspiratorial thinking. Yeah, well, and this is also becoming more prominent in terms of conservatives believing this type of thing with the great replacement theory and white genocide because of prominent figures like Tucker Carlson with the number one rated show on cable TV. Not Uh, just Fox, all of cable TV. Right. Advancing these ideas. So I don't know where your friends were, John, in the United States, because I think it varies quite a bit as well. It depends on where they were. I mean, were they in rural Idaho? Because the chances are probably pretty good that they were talking to someone who 
may be an active white supremacist in rural Idaho. Um, but yeah, ge- geographically speaking, I think it depends a lot. Sure. Because it's it's different depending on where you are in the United States. Also, what is with people who hitchhike across countries and shit? That just, Yikes. I mean, you're just... <laughs> do you want to get murdered? How many stories have you heard? Especially back in those days. Mm-hmm. Like My mom has regaled me with stories about hitchhiking from northern Idaho to southern Idaho and all around when there was like the Green River Killer and shit on the loose in the northwest. I mean, it's just... what. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Take care of yourself, John. I hope you're not continuing to to use that as a mode of transportation. Yeah. Hitchhiking. Run into someone like Ted Bundy. Thanks for the email, though. We appreciate it very much. Um, moving on to some vaccine talk. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Brittany. It's Stephen here from the northernmost part of England. Longtime listener, annoying caller. <laughs> I was wondering if you could pass on a small message to some of your listeners who may be... Uh, hesitant about taking the vaccine or or perhaps have decided not to take the vaccine because of something they perhaps read on social media or saw on Fox News. Get the fucking vaccine, you selfish prick! <laughs> well, um... That's prick shit, right? We've, <laughs> that's prick shit. Now we have a new, vac- new, new drop related to the vaccine. Get the fucking vaccine, you selfish prick! <laughs> wow, that is beautiful. I don't think there's the a... The way that he pronounces prick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Fantastic. There's no better way, there's no better accent for cursing yeah. <laughs> than than Scottish or even even the Brits. They've got a stranglehold for sure. on cursing. Yeah. So. Uh, thank you for the... For the uh, for the, the the public service announcement, Stephen from the from Scotland or the, mm-hmm. the UK, we appreciate it very much. Very much. Uh, Thank moving you. on, more um, vaccine talk. The, over the course of the last couple episodes, we've been talking about vaccine hesitancy, and I don't like that term because at this point, I contend that if you're choosing to not get the vaccine that is free and there is easy access to for most, um, that it's not hesitancy. I believe that you're making a decision. And then we've got some calls that it, uh, I was I was chastised, I was uh, disagreed with, I won't even go that far, that um, I'm being too recalcitrant, I'm being too angry about it, and that there are reasons that are justifiable for someone to not get the vaccine. I then, I just want to give a timeline here. Okay. I then um, contended that it's, for me, it's more black and white. That if you don't want to go get the vaccine or you choose not to because you can't get time off work because you're poor or whatever... You're struggling with poverty or whatever the the super politically correct way to say it is. Um, That that is not as important as someone losing a loved one. Because if you contract the virus and you pass it on to someone else and they die, not being able to take time off work because of a financial thing isn't as important or it's not a good enough excuse for the death of someone at your hands. That, I think, sums it up. Is there there more to it than that, you think? More nuance to my position? Well, I, you can explain your own position, um, but <laughs> I will not help you explain your own position. Right. But I will have more to say after the calls. All right. Here's Gillian, Colorado. I couldn't tell. Hey, this is Gilly from Colorado. I use they, them pronouns. Uh, listening to the episode 744 with you guys talking about barriers to getting vaccines and 
Jesse, your little scenario where I didn't close my eyes because I am driving. And pinpointing the person that gave them COVID that killed them. Um, and they said, I didn't have time to get off work. And you poo-pooed that. And I am just appalled. That is incredibly ableist. Um, or there is a huge inequity for people in our country for getting time off work. Not everybody has sick time that they can use, or they've used up all of their, their federal sick time for COVID relief already. Um, and they have small children. You can't just leave them at home. Uh, you might not have a family. I work, I work at Planned Parenthood and childcare is a barrier. Uh, for folks getting in to get their necessary appointments, their pap smears, their birth control. Um, and we have some pretty strict rules about children in the exam rooms, but as long as the, as the kid isn't going to be in an exam room where they're going to be running around dipping their hands in the spec bucket and touching sharp spins, whatever, irrelevant. Anyway, it's a barrier. It's a fucking barrier. And, I know you poo-poo it, but it really is difficult for many, many people to find someone to take care of their kiddos or to get that time off of work um, because they don't have somewhere that they work that allows them to do that, which is insane um, that's, that we haven't forced businesses to be like, yeah, no, you are getting the vaccine, yeah you automatically get 48 hours for the first one and the second one to get it and be sick and come back to work healthier and vaccinated. Um, and while I don't like that there are people running around not getting vaccinated, it is a barrier. And I'm very sorry for them, and I wish that there was more I could do to help them get vaccinated, but I'm not going to babysit all the children in the world. Anyway, whatever. Um, love you guys. Uh, keep on keeping on. Thank you so much. And I think that's it. So um, let me say this right off the bat. Gilly is said a bunch of shit that is absolutely right. It is a barrier. I don't disagree. It's absolutely a barrier. Childcare is a barrier. Taking time off work because of missed revenue or lost income is a barrier. Um, all of these things are terrible. Our system is broken relative to that. Without a doubt. I don't know that it's my view is ableist because it, I'm not talking about um, people who have a physical disability or some kind of a handicap. I'm not talking about that. So I don't see it as an ableist view. But again, I will say, say this, that if Gilly, if you have a, a partner or a relative who dies and you were able to draw a straight line between them catching the virus and someone who couldn't take time off work... It seems to me, mm, you missed a paycheck isn't a good enough excuse for justifying killing, um, trans transmitting the virus to someone else and killing them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, all of those things you said are true. I don't disagree that it's a barrier. It's shitty. Our system is fucked right now. But is that an excuse to take someone's life away from them? I, I think we would agree that yeah, it's terrible, but it's not a justification for giving someone the virus and ultimately taking their life.
Yeah, I think that that's a, a good framing. And I, I think that was made clear in, in their voicemail because you're identifying those things as barriers. You agree. It's just that you don't believe those barriers are justification for not ultimately getting the vaccine. That's really the thesis. I yeah, I don't. I think that's simply right. stated. Yes. So it's you know when when they said you poo pooed, I, I forgot what exactly poo-pooed, you poo pooed. They said yeah, yeah about the barriers. Yeah. I don't know that you were poo pooing the barriers. It's just you don't feel as though that's. Um, it's not a worthy excuse for me. Right. So yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying, but I could also see how they interpreted that as you not giving enough credence to the barriers and maybe faulting the individual more than the system that we have. But I think that maybe so. I think that we tried to have a conversation about the system. Maybe didn't do that well enough. So I appreciate them bringing that to our attention. Yeah. I'm. Listen. I, I grew up. Um, certainly for certain portions of my childhood, desperately poor. Um, Single mother, the government cheese, all of that. I grew up like that. The audience knows my backstory. So I I don't take for granted um, having been extricated from that system, largely because of luck. Uh, So I I don't, I, I don't, I'm not like, yeah, well, they should pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I get it. It's fucking terrible. It's just, we're talking about life and death. And living poor and maybe a little poorer than you were um, for a week or two. You know, I I don't want to sound, and I don't even think I'm coming across as heartless. I I don't. I I just, we're talking about people's lives. Life or death. Not having a daughter or a mother or a father or, you know, it just, it seems to me to be uh, super clear. Well, I think also when you talk about it in, in your, how you don't like the term vaccine hesitancy, I think you're conflating the people who are willfully not getting the vaccine because they believe that it will make them infertile or whatever they believe, uh, the misinformation, the disinformation that is out there, and the people who have barriers, that they're not hesitant to get the vaccine. It's just not within their reach for whatever reason. And I was completely... astounded when I was listening to uh, The Daily. They interviewed various people that have not been vaccinated, that have made the decision not to get vaccinated. And this one woman that they interviewed, oh my God, she, I mean, basically- You were screaming about, you were getting ready for work, screaming about it in the other room. Well, she basically like gave her grandmother COVID and she's dead now. And and this came out- Yeah, and this came out during the interview. Like, they had a party. She's like, we've never worn masks. We didn't change anything about our lives. We had this party. And um, during the interview, she's like, do you know anyone who, you know, has died of COVID? And she's like, oh, yeah, my my grandmother died of COVID. I was her caretaker. That was my job. (laughs) Wow. And I'm just, I'm listening to this like, wait a minute. She just said she's never worn masks she never changed anything about her behavior. Wasn't she also, she got COVID twice herself. Yeah, and her and was job. Like, I'm fine now. Her job was a caregiver for an elderly person. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she never changed anything about her life and never wore a mask. And then yeah. she says that the grandmother went to a party and now the grandmother's dead after getting COVID. I mean, I'm just listening to this like, are, is she not connecting the dots here? In terms Clearly of not. in terms of responsibility, yeah. So I hear what you're saying because I automatically thought of this example of this woman who was not putting the dots together. By the way, I don't know yeah. if anyone else listened to it, but it was pretty remarkable. 
So, Gilly, thank you for the call. Thank you for the dissent. We we certainly appreciate uh, the pushback uh, a lot. We just sometimes we're not going to agree um, or settle in on on agreeing with one another. So um, we appreciate your listenership and your participation in the conversation. Uh, moving on, uh, another call. Again, I don't know what's going on with the Google voicemails, but this one also has a little bit of a choppy moment or two. But overall, the message of the call comes through. I didn't edit it. I don't like to edit people's voicemails. So here we go. Hey, guys. Hey, this is Kingsley from Texas. This is my first time uh, ever calling on the show. Uh, I've been a long-time listener uh, a little over 60 years now. Ooh, so I'm six calling years. in just to say that I agree with Jesse about the vaccination. I understand that people are, you know, poor in, in parts of the country you know, with low income, maybe you're in a rural part of America that you really don't have access to these, you know, big city CVS stores or Rite Aid and stuff like that. However, here's where it starts to break up a little bit, but it comes back. He comes back and it uh, makes his point pretty strong. People, Trust me, as I talk my way through it, (laughs) that it does happen. Is it gonna come? Back? It's coming back. Oh, what? What? Have that oh, fundamental right to vote, and just like you know, MLK said, just like Barack Obama said, that like it doesn't matter if it takes three hours, four hours, five hours, you must vote because our democracy depends, depends on it. I, I view it the same way with the vaccinations. That I understand that it's difficult if you're poor to get access to vaccines, but however, our country depends on it. It's it's super, it's super super important, and it doesn't matter if you. I guess it doesn't matter if you have to miss work for a day or, or two, but I mean, it's 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 just too important in my opinion. And I view kind of both similarly similarity. That's the right word. I don't think it is, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just calling in to to say I agree with Jesse, and then and I, I just don't think that you know being poor or just not having a whole lot of money or being a, a, a very scant part of America is this excuse for you to not get a life-saving vaccine, especially now that we're in the case where the uh, the vaccine is mutating every single day and getting worse and worse and worse. The virus. But that's, that's all I have for today. Um, this is Kingsley from Houston. I guess that's my new uh, uh, name tag. And uh, I want to say Jesse's the best part, in my opinion. Right, bye. Well, was it Kinsley? We, I didn't catch it at the beginning. I didn't even put his n- name on the on the on the marker here. I couldn't. I couldn't tell. Kingsley or Kinsley? Yeah. Whichever it is. Thank you. We appreciate the call. Yeah. Not thank you. Oh, thanks. You agreed with me. Mm-hmm. Um. I, again, I think we're we're kind of belaboring the point that it's we're talking about the the life or death of someone over the how how rich or poor they are. So. Yeah, I will say on this one, though, that I, I it's a little, I don't know, it's weird to be like, um, I agree with Jesse that people should be getting vaccinated because. Oh, yeah, I, I get that. My my argument was never um, to excuse why people are not getting vaccinated. It was to explain why people are not getting vaccinated. And I understand that's like a, that's a nuanced explanation it's a little right? bit of talking past one another sure yeah but yeah. you know we're talking about the factors that go into preventing people from being able to get vaccinated that's what the conversation was there are systemic issues within our within our society that could be cured by government because as we say as ever lots of people say it's not like a thing unique to the show 
Poverty is a public policy choice. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if, if through stimulus checks we were able to cut childhood poverty in half, that means we could cut we could eliminate it altogether. Yeah. But we choose not to. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, thank you for the call, Kinsley or Kingsley. We appreciate it very much. Moving on, another call about vaccines. Someone who was beginning in the beginning uh, vaccine hesitant. Oh. Hi, this is Lamar from Houston. I was calling with a bit of an update. I called probably around the beginning of the year when the vaccines were just coming out, and I said that I was I was not going to get one. I was just going to wear a mask forever. Um, but things have changed. Realized that people are crazy, and that this same thing is never going to go away. So both me and my husband are now fully vaccinated. Um, Good for you guys. Awesome. So we're no longer one of those vaccine hesitant type people. Um, (laughs) I do think that my feelings in the beginning were valid. But upon looking at the situation going on and going around and realizing that our bubble was not going to be as closed as it used to be when it was just pretty much me, my husband, and my kids in the house. Um, We realized it was safer for us, safer for the community. If we went on ahead and got our vaccines, our kids are not old enough to get vaccinated yet, Mm. with my oldest being nine. So we were like, that's going to keep us safe. That's going to keep them safe. So that's what we decided to do. Um, But, yeah. Just wanted to say, Brittany's the best part. And give y'all an update on what was going on. Love okay. the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. That's great news. Yeah, it is good news. And listen, in the beginning, if someone showed a little bit of hesitancy about wanting to see if there was going to be, you know, if there's going to be some kind of a zombie apocalypse uh, that turned out because of people getting vaccinated, look, I can, I can kind of understand that. But we're, here we are in, we're, we're nearly a year in. I mean, we're approaching a year in, um, six, eight months in, and there, we're not seeing widespread side effects or even uh, enough side effects of, of individualized cases that would cause alarm or concern. So I, I think it's a, it's a good thing. One, you're not just taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your family. And you're not just taking care of your family, Wamara. You're also taking care of the community at large. And that's that should be the expectation of every one of us. Mm-hmm. So for sure, good job. Uh, you don't need an attaboy from my dumbass, but you know it's awesome. It's good, good yeah. for you. Well, I will say that the conspiracy theorists um, they don't believe that the negative consequences of vaccines are going to happen within a few months. They'll say, "Talk to me years down the line, right, right, and right. let me know how it goes." They're like evangelical pastors who prophesy that. Uh, their earth, the world's going to end on this day. And then, but it's a way, way off. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years from now. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe people forget about it by the time that it fails. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Wamara, thank you for the call. We appreciate it very much. Moving on. Last voicemail again about vaccines. Hey, guys. First time caller. My name's Nico. And I currently live in South Carolina, unfortunately, but I'm originally a mass hole. <laughs> so I just got done picking up my paycheck from my boss's wife because he's out of town. And she starts talking about the COVID vaccine. And she, she's one of those 
Bible thumping, traveled the world, spreading the word of Jesus. And she was just talking about the vaccine and how, you know, most vaccines make her sick when they, after the injection and blah, 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 blah. And I cut her off and I had to tell her, like, listen, the technology for this vaccine has been around for years, older than your daughter, who's, I think, eight years old. I said, and they're not injecting you with COVID. They're injecting you with something to fight the antibodies and all this other stuff. And she's just so crazy when it comes to it. And I live in a state with all these people talking the same shit about stuff that they don't know about. And I'm not a doctor, so I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't have degrees, so I'm talking out my ass most of the time. But I do my research, and these people, the only research they do is in their little tennis clubs where one chicken head starts talking to the other one, and they just keep clucking and going crazy. And it's just people people make me sick and not, oh, God, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think our world is 100% screwed. And my last thing I want to say is, Tucker Carlson, fuck Tucker with something hard and sandpapery. He's an asshole. You go out in public, you you deserve to be talked to. If you're sitting down eating food and you're a famous person, I won't go up to you and interrupt your meal. But if you're going into a store, walking down the street, I'm going to tell you if I like you or not and if I appreciate you or not. So the fact that famous people are getting upset that people come up to them inside stores or whatever, that's not, okay, then don't be a public figure speaking to people, giving your opinion on your opinion show, because you're an asshole, Tucker. So, God, fuck him with something hard and sandpapery. Thank you, guys. Love you, and uh, thank you for your service, my man. Um, hard and sandpapery. New new concept. Oh, I doubt it. Uh, listen, I don't think just because someone's a, a public figure that they should be approached or or whatever. That, 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 I don't think that was what I was communicating. I'm saying that if you're if you're a Nazi and someone disagrees with Nazism and they come up to you. And they're not physical. They're not threatening you. They're not chesting you up. They're just saying, I disagree with you. You're the worst person in the world. No one's harmed in that scenario. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also, I, I agree with Nico. I I don't approach famous people when I see them, even on the street, other than maybe a, a nod. I, I can't even remember the last time I bumped into somebody that was notable. I think we saw Norm MacDonald. In Venice that time, yeah, yeah Was yeah. it Norm MacDonald? Yeah, it was Norm MacDonald. Because I always think it's someone else. Yeah, I don't remember who you think it is, but that was years and years ago. No, it wasn't Norm MacDonald. The, only, the last celebrity I, appro- I approached was Rob Riggle at some movie premiere, and I just wanted to, you know, former Thank him Marine, for his service. Marine to Marine, talk to, talk to him, and he was, it, it wasn't like a, ugh, or at least it didn't seem that way. <laughs> well, he is an actor. He is an actor. Yeah. 
Anyway, thank you, everybody. Is that what you did to him? No, I didn't. I'm, everybody probably walks up and does the pow-pow <laughs> thing to him. I was just like, hey. So I just said something stupid. Stay green, Marine. He's like, oh, you're Marine. And then we talked a little bit about our units. So. Oh, okay. It was Marine wonderful. stuff. We really bonded. It was so great. Yeah. We're best friends now. Oh, good. And we good. went out for drinks last week. Oh, okay. Let's have him on the show. We did not. Uh, anyway, thanks, everybody, for the calls. We appreciate it very much. We'd love for you to sound off, get your opinions on the record as part of moving the conversation forward, which is a large part of the mission of this show. You can call, leave us a voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right, moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to thank our newest Patreon supporters, Sugar Bear. Sugar Bear! Elise E. Elise E. And then we want to thank... (laughs) The Patreon supporters who have <laughs> what happened doubled their pledges. Oh wow! Erica H. Erica H. And Helen B. Helen B. Thank you so very much for your beautiful support of the show. Yeah, we appreciate you guys very much. We are we are in a transition period between um, some things happening, some 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 irons in the fire, as it were. We want to get back to two episodes a week, as we previously were. Um, and we're making that happen as quickly as possible. And it is through your support that we're going to be able to do that. So thank you, guys. We appreciate you very much. But there are other ways to support the show that don't involve money. One is um, subscribing to, to the YouTube channel, for one, but also sure. subscribing to the to the podcast. Uh, rating and review us on iTunes or what is now Apple Podcasts. I don't Without know why. profanity. Oh, yeah. Profanity-free because apparently... The 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 Apple Corporation is run by uh, the Mormon Church or something. You're not allowed to curse in in reviews. No naughty words. No no naughty words. And then just tell a friend. You know, yes. uh, spreading the word about the show. I know we're not for everybody. Well, Brittany's for everybody. I am definitely not for everybody. Didn't you just hear the call? You're the best part. Anyway, well, there it's it's evenly divided. You also, probably not evenly it divided. Is not but evenly it's, divided well, at all. Yeah, because everyone loves JD. But love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. That is just nonsense. What we both understand. That neither of us are for everybody. And I think that's what makes us unique is that we know that. We know. And we're okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with it. It's fine. So listen, uh, let's do some follow up before we get to the Dalamocracy segment. And that is about the eviction moratorium. We've been talking about this because the government keeps kicking the can down the road at the 11th hour each and every time, which puts people in, in, in peril. Uh, financial and otherwise, because they end up out on the streets and um, the Biden administration, after they said they weren't going to do anything, and then Nancy Pelosi bravely went on vacation after not doing anything, even though the power resides with Congress, um, something did get done. And it was by Joe Biden after Cori Bush camped out on the steps of the Capitol for like five days. Yeah, so... 
Joe Biden, uh, President Biden. I don't want people to get mad. Um, well, you guys are best friends. Joe. <laughs> Joe. Um, after the eviction moratorium expired, the the CDC then extended the eviction moratorium for two months. This new ban on eviction covers parts of the United States that are experiencing what the CDC is calling substantial or high spread of coronavirus. Right. So it is not as useful as the previous eviction moratorium. It's not a ubiquitous moratorium that's universal, we'll say. It it, it is absolutely um, cherry-picking specifically where there are hot spots of the coronavirus. Which is really unfortunate, and and we'll get into some of that. But we have a a clip, unfortunately, uh, of Matt Walsh talking. And Matt Walsh, of course, has a show with The Daily Caller, right? I think he's Daily Wire. I think he's the Ben Shapiro. Oh, that's right. That's right. Why are they all so similar sounding? And there's a reason for that. Can they do something unique and special? He doesn't work for Tucker Carlson's outfit. He works for Ben Shapiro's outfit. Perfect. Here's moron Matt Walsh, waxing smart guy, and uh, really just being a heartless dick. That you are telling people that they must, that they are required to keep people in their homes, on their property, who are not paying for the right to be there. That's what the government declared. If you're a landlord um, and there's someone on your, on your property, in your home, who is refusing to pay you, refusing to compensate you at all, you must continue to pay for them to live there. You got to pay their bills. You're paying the mortgage. You have to pay their rent for them and allow them to stay on your property. That, you know what that is? That's slavery. That's forced labor. Wow. You're being forced by the government to pay someone else's rent for them on your property. It's like, it's unthinkable. And yet millions of idiots will defend it. On the basis of compassion. Compassion for who exactly? What about the person who owns the house? Owns the property? What about them? You're putting them underwater because a big part of their financial plan here is that, you know, they've got to pay the mortgage on this property. And so to help them pay the mortgage, then that's, that's, that's why the renters have to pay. It's not, it's not it, you know, j- just to be clear, it's not because they're mean. Landlords are, it's not because they're mean that they're making you pay the rent. It's because they're providing you with something, with a service, and you have to pay in exchange. But also, uh, they need to pay. Very often, they have bills they have to, they have to pay the mortgage on this property. And if you don't chip in, then now they got to pay their own mortgage for their home, plus this, and however many, many other properties they own. So you are putting them in a financial crisis by not fulfilling your own obligations. And so, yeah, it's, you know what, it's compassionate if we pretend that the landlords don't exist, that they're not really people. Speaking of forced labor and slavery, if we just pretend that they don't count as people, then, yeah, it's perfectly compassionate. So there's a lot of things here, but I want to specifically address... It's all or nothing thinking with these people. Yeah, and listen, I'm not one of those people that will talk about landlords and say, screw all landlords and whatever. I know there's people out there that are saying things like that. And I I totally understand that there are 
people that have a property, a few properties, and they use that income, and it's really important. I, I understand that. And what progressives are fighting for is not allowing people to stay in their homes and not pay landlords. What they're fighting for is for the eviction moratorium to continue so that there is time for the federal rental assistance to be paid out. Right. That has not happened. There's billions of dollars available. Which, by the way, pays landlords 80% of what they're owed. And so there just hasn't been time to get this this federal rental assistance out there. So really, that's what the purpose of the eviction moratorium is. And listen, I've seen... I've seen liberals make comments of, oh, I know someone who has been choosing not to pay their rent and uh, that's ruining it for everybody else. Like who is who can pay their rent right now? Who's choosing not to pay their rent because there's a moratorium on eviction risking getting an eviction on their record, which is permanent. They call it the Scarlet E. It's going to be on your record forever, uh, preventing you from getting places in the future and also ruining your credit. Like it's certainly the exception, not the norm. There's not tens of millions of people out there who are just saying, fuck my landlord. I'm not paying when they can. I'm going to completely destroy the ability to rent a decent place in the future. Yeah, just not. That's not the deal. So I would just be careful with things like that. It's like when you hear from people that are like, oh, homeless people choose to be homeless. Like, how many people have you talked to that are uh, struggling with homelessness? Um, so that's really the purpose. So Matt Walsh, the, the framing there is just not logical well, or reasonable. It's not yeah. just not logical. It's disingenuous. Yeah. And it's, it's part of the norm for these conservative yes. people. These Especially conservative the thinkers. Daily Wire under the tutelage of Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Here's the other thing is that he's acting like that you're, you're running a, a, a Radio Shack, um, business or a, or a best buy when you're a, when you're a landlord and that's you, that is an investment in you know when you watch those commercials about investing they're like oh past performance is not indicative of future results and blah, 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 just fast disclaimer language there's a reason why investments are risky and this is one of those reasons this is one of the pitfalls of being in that particular business it's not like um, if you if you rent a property and and you're going to be guaranteed that income because oh the market will never fluctuate there's never a problem. Listen, when a pa- pandemic happens and people are out of work by no fault of their own, that's the risk you run when you run in that business. Matt Walsh, genius provocateur. Ah, it just we're not. You're not dealing with reality on reality's terms. Landlords are people too. They do provide a service. I'm not, we've talked about it for months on this show, that I'm not, uh, fuck all landlords. They're terrible. They're the the bane. I'm not some um, uh, communist leaning individual. Like we have some friends who are. I'm not that. But I'll say it again. If, if there's a choice to punch down to the, to the tenants or punch up to the landlords, you're not going to find me punching down ever. Well, and that's that's something that's missing from his little spiel. There is a solution. So, right, how right. does he how does he see this going? He sees millions of families being put out on the street. Is that what he wants? Is that what he sees well, as the solution? That is the ultimate um, end state. 
if we lift the eviction moratorium, there will be millions and millions of families out on the street, no place to go, with this kind of a mark on their record, with no place to go to eventually. Mm -hmm. Well, and you also have judges that are not complying with the eviction moratorium. There was a judge in Franklin County that made headlines this week because he announced that he's not going to be following that and evictions are going to proceed. So they're still happening. They've been happening this whole time, unfortunately. And with no help. I mean, little and late help from the federal government by way of Joe Biden and, of course, Nancy Pelosi. Definitely not enough help. But shout out to Cori Bush, like you said, because um, she has personal experience with being unhoused. And that really motivated her to take action. And she was out on those steps all night and her activism played an important role in extending the eviction moratorium. Is it extended in the way that it needs to be? No, but better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, better than nothing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think about this? We'd love to uh, get a voicemail. Uh, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo, as many do, from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Dollamocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So let's talk a little bit about some of these nutters that are out there uh, sowing doubt and disinformation about the vaccine. And there's two there's two elements to this. One are these evangelical radical bigots like Greg Locke, and we've got a clip here. And then there's the other side that's more palatable. It's the more more um, introductory kind of uh, of element to to uh, vaccine misinformation or doubt, and that's people like Joe Rogan. You mean the pseudo intellectualism? That, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, so we go from really just wild, crazy dummy to somebody who is an entry level into conspiracy. First, let's start with Greg Locke, who really is off the rails. I've been right about all of it. Yeah. We've been right about all of it. Woo! Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. These wicked fools don't win in the end. They don't win in the end. Listen to that crowd. So all this fear bullcrap is that. It is bullcrap. Say amen. I know you've never been to a church where a pastor told you to say amen after I said bullcrap. It's better than what I want to say. I call it real BS. Biblical stupidity. Biblical stupidity. So I know I wasn't going to say nothing about it, but I think I feel froggy enough. I'm going to jump right now and just say this. I am not apologizing for what I said on this platform last week. The Delta variant was nonsense then. It is nonsense now. You will not wear masks in this church. You will not wear masks in this church. I'm telling you right now, do not get vaccinated. Do not get vaccinated. I don't care what you think about me. I don't need your money. I don't need your hand clap. I don't need more people on social media to follow me. I ain't following along with it. Joe Biden's days are numbered. I said they're numbered. 
I've told you the whole time this election was fraudulent. We got so much proof. The only people that can deny it are crack-smoking, demon-possessed leftists. What? Wow. Whoa, I'm about to tear his whole pool but in half. Whoa! The only people who can deny it are crack-smoking, demon-possessed leftists. That is off-the-rails insanity, and he has that crowd whipped up into a frenzy. There I is, feel like I need to meditate after that listening to that. That is not reality. And then he go, he veers into Joe Biden wasn't elected. There is no, there there is no motive there other than to sow discord. Yeah. To sow doubt. Yeah. Well. And also, do you think Greg Locke doesn't have the the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine? Do you think he didn't get the polio vaccine? You know, going back to the collar. I believe it was Nico who who was given a timeline of when vaccines were developed. Vaccines have been around since like 1798 when they kind of figured out how it works, where you give a, a weak strain of the virus to somebody with smallpox in this case, and it inoculates them. Now, they didn't have a stranglehold on the technology, and some people did die. One of John Adams' kids, his sons, died after having give, been given the vaccine because it wasn't as weak a strain or his body couldn't handle it. But that was in 17, in the 1790s. We've got a stranglehold on it now. We have advanced science. We have advanced technologies. And for someone to say, you're not getting vaccinated. Do not get vaccinated to Jesus. Who's, who's likely vaccinated with many other things for many other things. Well, it's just dangerous and disingenuous to, to put it mildly. Based on recent headlines, I think we all know where this is headed. And uh, we'll be seeing headlines coming out about Mr. Greg Locke. Well, that's if indeed he isn't vaccinated. See, that's where I'm not even fully... I don't buy that he's not. Because mm-hmm. he's saying it with lots of force. Do not do it. You won't get the virus. This mm-hmm. Delta variant is a lie. Ugh. Yeah. I, listen, I grew up in churches like this all across the country. This is, this hits me personally because this guy is a dangerous fucking charlatan who is leading people astray. People who trust him. They look up to him as a righteous man of God who has all the answers. And that's actually one of the things we talked about on the previous episode is that one of the things that can make a huge difference for people that are fearful of getting the vaccine or don't know what to do is community leaders that they trust, who they can talk to, who can convince them, no, this is something you need to do. It's safe. It's free. Let's help you get it. Let's uh, have organizations that can come and set up a tent and do this together. Um, Those are the things that can really help make a difference. And instead of using his position of power, to help people and prevent death, he is, in fact, speeding up that process for people that are in his congregation, which is really tragic and alarming. And the other side of this same coin is a guy like Joe Rogan, who people looked up to. They look up to. They Yeah, I was they, like, why are you using no, past well, tense? It was, I, I, uh, I can't talk very well sometimes. Because you read these comments and... Uh, I'll tell you, it's a little scary. It's a little cult-like. Yeah, people do. Little Jonestown. They do look up to Joe Rogan as though he's he's the what the everyman's philosopher or the 
he but he is he is peddling woo on an almost episode by episode basis and people are looking up to him and here's here's a here's a, a prime example of that here's joe rogan with his guest the the trump supporting dingus from the born in the same town i was born in in northern idaho what's his name uh uh, it's right here. Evan Hafer, he's the, the, the founder and CEO of Black Rifle Coffee, yeah. a Trump dummy. And uh, talking- wait, wait, what is he on there to talk about? I have no idea, but why is... No, why- he's on there to talk about vaccines, right. and he's the CEO of a coffee company. Right, and he not educated, not an epidemiologist, not a doctor, not even a medical professional. He's a coffee guy who happens to be a veteran from... Anyway, this is just as dangerous, just maybe more dangerous than the Greg Locks of the world because Greg Locke doesn't have the audience that Joe Rogan does. And this is the same guy that just passed this fucking law in New York City where you have to have a vaccine passport to go everywhere. You have to have a vaccine to go to a restaurant, to a gym, to uh, any place where people gather. It is crazy. And meanwhile, the vast percent, the, the, the biggest percentage of people that don't have vaccines that have been vaccinated are people of color so this guy people of color and immigrants this is what he's always supposed to be pro you know pro people of color pro diversity pro immigration those are the people that don't have vaccines and now you're precluding them from going to gyms and restaurants and what about the people working in the restaurants what about all these it's fucking madness and then you have a bunch of people that are supporting it like yay finally (laughs) meanwhile you have science is coming out there's legitimate articles jamie i'll send this to you now there's legitimate because doctors have been sending me these things and you know this is neither pro nor con vaccine i'm not this is not a judgment statement but imperfect vaccination can enhance the transmission of highly virulent pathogens right so this is a scientific paper um, from 2015 that shows that if here's it said there's this one important quote vaccines that keep the host alive but still allow transmission oh. can thus allow virulent strains to circulate in a population so vaccines that don't kill the virus. Vaccines that allow people, like this is one of the things we're finding out about what they're calling breakthrough cases. Right. So people who are vaccinated can still get COVID and they can still transmit COVID. Mm-hmm. This recently happened at the Comedy Store. A vaccinated comedian gave COVID to like 12 different fucking people at the Comedy Store. Some of them vaccinated, some of them not. That situation where the vaccine just kind of protects you from serious damage right but it protects you from really being like badly uh, hospitalized or death but doesn't stop you from getting the virus can possibly lead to more potent viruses so these people that are saying oh it's these unvaccinated people that are responsible for the variants well there's actually scientific papers that point to the very sort of environment that we're creating by having so many people vaccinated with a vaccine that doesn't kill off the virus it actually can lead to more potent viruses try finding that story anywhere okay so (laughs) try finding that story anywhere there's a lot here so buckle in 
Um, number one, this story, quote unquote, uh, a variation of this story uh, was in NPR in February of this year. And we're going to be playing audio from that coverage from uh, an NPR journalist in discussion with a scientist, which is not. Wait, wait, wait. Are you sure he wasn't talking to a guy who owns a coffee company? That is not what NPR did. <laughs> See, well, the NPR dropped the ball because yeah. clearly the preeminent expert in vaccines and epidemiology and virology is a guy from Lewiston, Idaho, who owns a uh, a coffee company. So the <laughs> the line that Joe Rogan read, yes, it's from a research article, Imperfect Vaccination Can Enhance the Transmission of Highly Virulent Pathogens. Now, I spent more time reading this than I wanted to today. But I, I wanted to find where where did he get that quote that he read? You know, like yeah. how much of this study did he read? Was it in the middle of the study? Like, was it deep in the results section? Like, where was it? Where was it? Can I can, can I answer? Can I guess? Sure. Where was it? Oh, I don't know. But it wasn't in the middle. That's my guess. No, it was the third <laughs> sentence in the abstract. In the abstract. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. Now, the next the sentence. The abstract, by the way. Now, I'm going to read the sentence again, and then I'm going to read the sentence after the sentence that Joe Rogan read. Okay? Here we go. Vaccines that keep hosts alive but still allow transmission could thus allow very virulent strains to circulate in a population. Here we show experimentally that immunization of chickens against Merrick's disease virus enhances the fitness of more virulent strains making it possible for hypopathogenic strains to transmit. Wait a minute. This this is a study about chickens? In chickens. A disease called Merrick's disease. Joe Rogan really going deep on the research about vaccines and, and trying to foment uh, distrust with the vaccine by reading a study... About the the chickens. Well, no, no, no. Let's. That's a lot of credit. Let's say reading the abstract of a study. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, I yeah. believe that that's the extent of what happened there. But Merrick's disease is a highly contagious viral disease in chickens. So that is what this study is about. So now, it wasn't about the Delta variant. It wasn't about the coronavirus. It wasn't even about a coronavirus. No. It was about chickens. Chickens and Merrick's disease and vaccines. So that would have been important context for millions of people to know, I think. Yeah. When you're giving this information that is provoking skepticism in people who haven't been vaccinated about whether or not it's really important for them to get vaccinated. Well, there's a potential that it could make things worse. Yeah. If I get vaccinated. I mean, if you're a chicken. <laughs> yeah. So... When I was in grad school, and here I just I want to give important context here because Joe Rogan didn't do that, and I want to make sure that I do that. So I have a master of science in clinical psychology, and my master's thesis was looking at the differences in moral values of atheists, deists, and theists. So like my specialty is not um, poultry disease or um, or medical shit. At yeah, all. no medicine or yeah. no medical stuff, but. I have been trained in how to um, do research and uh, read research articles and determine validity. And um, I can't do that with this article. I'll just be straight up. I read it. A lot of it goes over my head. A lot of it is confusing. <laughs> well, let me say this. If it's going over your head, a numb that's like Joe Rogan, who's not trained in, in science literacy, 
It's certainly going over his head, without a doubt. Yeah. So typically, the most important section um, that I have found to read when you are reading a research article is the discussion section. Because in the discussion, researchers are supposed to talk about the limitations to their research. They're supposed to put it in context. Sure. Of- it's not the abstract. Right. It's 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 the context of what are the limitations of this study? What are the limitations when it comes to the population? Did you do a yeah, yeah. a survey of Psych 101 students and that's where your data came from? Because what does that say about how this will generalize to the population? Was this a correlational finding rather than a causality? Th- those are things that are going to come up in the discussion. Uh, this just in from the per- participants of the study... <laughs> oh, you don't say. Very yeah. good to know. Very yeah. good to know. So, one thing that I one thing that I liked fucking chickens. One thing that I liked in the discussion section of this paper is that they do discuss the limitations of this. And there's two sentences that I want to read here. And it says, quote, our data do not demonstrate that vaccination was responsible for the evolution of hyperpathogenic strains of Merrick's disease, and we may never know for sure why they evolved in the first place. Clearly, many potentially relevant ecological pressures on virulence have changed with the intensification of the poultry industry. And then they go into various factors that could have influenced some of the findings. And... This is, again, like context that didn't come up in this conversation of this paper. Now, Joe Rogan... He probably didn't get there. He only read that third sentence, and then that was it. Yeah, and again, this is kind of what's irresponsible about having such a large platform. So you put up a screenshot on your your YouTube video of a scientific paper. You read the third sentence of the abstract. You give a brief summary of what that could then say about COVID-19 when this isn't related to COVID-19, and you don't say any of that. It's about chickens, and you're, you're not giving any of that context. You're just using that third sentence in the abstract of a study from 2015 about chickens to support your view about about COVID-19 vaccines with millions of people. I mean, could you get any more irresponsible? Well, it's it's either just um, vapid ignorance or it's because he knows it's going to get clicked. He knows it's going to um, cause a, f- a, f- a, few, a fervor among his audience. It's good for ratings. It's good for the show. I don't know. I'm not going to make a a judgment call on what it is. I would lean toward him just being a dumb guy, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Well, again, so he said, look for this out there in the world. You're hearing it here first on the Joe Rogan experience, and you'll only hear it here. Well, no. If you're interested in the idea of whether vaccines can drive the evolution of COVID-19 variations, then NPR covered that in February of 2021. And we're going to play a four-minute interview that goes in-depth on this issue. And this is kind of a lesson in how this discussion should have happened. The new coronavirus variants have raised concerns about whether vaccines will remain effective against this disease. So far, the vaccines still seem to work, although scientists are keeping a close eye on a variant first seen in South Africa. But the vaccines themselves could drive the evolution of more mutants. However, NPR science correspondent Richard Harris reports that's not cause for alarm. You may have heard that bacteria can develop resistance to antibiotics and, in a worst-case scenario, render the drugs useless. Something similar can also happen with vaccines, though with less serious consequences. 
This worry has arisen mostly in the debate over whether to delay a second vaccine shot so more people can get the first shot quickly. Paul Binoche, a Howard Hughes investigator at the Rockefeller University, says that gap would leave people with only partial immunity for longer than necessary. They might serve as sort of a breeding ground for the virus to acquire new mutations. That's because the virus is always mutating, and if one happens to produce a mutation that makes it less vulnerable to the vaccine, that virus could simply multiply in a vaccinated individual. But even if that happens, that's only one step in the process. What's really unclear and really quite important for the virus to evolve is whether those people that having been vaccinated and infected, whether they have sufficient levels of virus replication to pass the virus on to other people. If the vaccine keeps virus levels low, even mutated viruses, the infected person won't produce enough to spread to other people. Unfortunately, at the moment, scientists can't answer the most basic questions about this process. How much does the virus actually replicate inside a person who has been vaccinated, with either one dose or two? And how effective is that vaccine at limiting infection enough so that the virus levels stay low and prevent the spread to other people? Andrew Reed at Penn State University says, whatever the answers may be, vaccine resistance, or escape as it's called, isn't nearly as scary as bacteria becoming resistant to antibiotics. I know everybody's worried about it, but I would say History tells us that vaccine escape does not erode to zero. It does not erase vaccine protection. A vaccine may become less potent, but in other cases where this has happened, it still works. It's often got very strong anti-disease properties, um, so you get less sick even with with the viruses that are around. And this evolutionary pressure is present for any vaccine that doesn't completely block infection. So it's not just an issue for people who are between their initial shot and a booster. Many vaccines, apparently including the COVID vaccines, do not completely prevent a virus from multiplying inside someone, even though these vaccines do prevent serious illness. I do think there are a lot of options here for trying to deal with any evolution should it occur. One thing that helps is that dozens of vaccines are being developed and more than half a dozen are already in use. One of the great things about having a lot of vaccine options is we might end up with a population which is heterogeneously vaccinated. You might get the AstraZeneca and I'm going to get one of the mRNA ones. That'll really help hinder the spread of mutants that are good at any one of those. A virus that has evolved to get around one vaccine is likely to be stopped by another, and that will limit the spread of mutant strains. Drug makers are also keeping a close eye on mutants and are already formulating new vaccines that will be more effective if it turns out the original vaccines weaken too much. Paul Binoche says this is not a crisis. We're not going to fall off a cliff tomorrow in terms of vaccine efficacy. What we're likely to see is a slow, steady erosion of efficacy over perhaps quite a long period of time. Binoche says to slow this evolutionary process as much as possible, it's important to slow the spread of the virus right now, so people who get vaccinated are at lower risk for getting infected in the first place. Richard Harris, NPR News. So you walk away from this with the understanding that it's still important to get vaccinated. That That's the thing. And you walk away from Joe Rogan's segment thinking, huh, Is it really important that I get vaccinated or could my vaccination actually be causing some of the problems with with the new variants that are coming up? It was a very interesting part of the discussion there, the the conversation between those two guys that the uh, having different vaccines out there actually provides a completely separate layer of protection because the virus is geared 
to 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 do a certain thing um, with one vaccine. But if you have the AstraZeneca or the Johnson and Johnson or the 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 Pfizer, because we have Moderna, you and I, mm-hmm. that there is a layer of protection there because of that. I think that's super interesting and certainly not talked about on Joe Rogan's show because Joe Rogan. There is indeed an agenda there because he went in, went on to talk about no one's talking about diet. Nobody's talking about health. Nobody's talking about losing weight. Nobody's talking about exercise. What about vitamins, y'all? This episode brought to you by Joe Rogan Vitamins. <laughs> I mean, that's that's ultimately where it goes. Yeah. Here's that second clip. They close borders. You can't enter New York City unless you have your papers. You can't go to here unless you have that. You can't get on a plane unless you do what I say. And people say, whoa, it's all about protecting people from the." Mm. No, it's not. It's not because we've shown this is a fact. Just a couple of months ago, the idea of a breakthrough case was unheard of. Nobody heard of anybody catching COVID that had a vaccine, right? right? That was the whole idea. You get a vaccine, you don't have to worry about it. Now we know not only do you get it, but you can spread it. And some people have died. Apparently, it's a small number. I don't know what the numbers are. But I know that most people who get vaccinated, when they do have the disease, they have a better time of it than Mm -hmm. the people who are unvaccinated. But where are the people out there calling for people to get healthy? Where are the people out there calling for people to lose weight? 78% of the people in the ICU for COVID are obese. 78%. Where's that information being shared? Where's someone who's a leader who gets on TV and says, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to decrease our body mass. We've got to decrease our fat. We've got to make sure that people aren't overweight. We've got to make sure that people are healthy. Walk around your block. You don't have to do something complicated. Start drinking more water. Stop eating sugar. Start taking vitamins. You can increase the strength of your immune system. We can fight things off better. We can be a healthier civilization. Better for everybody, right? You don't hear a peep. All you hear is take this vaccine that doesn't even prevent you from getting the disease or you can't go to the, to the sauna or wherever <laughs> right. the fuck you want to go. You can't go to the Broadway show. Big Broadway, uh, Broadway fan, Joe Rogan. So again, you, he kind of mixes some vaccine positivity, vaccine advocacy in with his disinformation yeah, campaign. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's what kind of gives him this facade that he's able to hide behind of acting like he is pro-vaccine. Because he said up front, this isn't anti-vaccine. Well, of course, that's what he says. And then I'm just asking questions. Right. And then, you know, here's a long-term solution is addressing people's health and fitness, right? That's not something that is immediate. The vaccine is immediate. Right, right. And the more people that get vaccinated, the more we prevent these strains that are no longer going to have uh, effectiveness when it comes to the vaccine. Well, also, so, ult- ultimately, what he's doing there, there too is is indicating that the reason we have the Delta variant is because of vaccinated people, not because of all of these other ding dongs who are refusing to get the vaccine, and it's and it's mutating that way. He, he's 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 uh, he's raising lots of questions that really don't need to be questions, in order that he stoke fear and questions in his audience. And also, have you heard about his mushroom brain supplements? Oh, yeah. That he has. Neuro gum. <laughs> I chew this gum that just lights up my neurons. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, so, goop uh, for men, they say. Goop for men. It is goop for men. He <laughs> is the male... Um, what's Gwyneth her name? Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. right. So there's this other clip that really 
it's kind of misaligned here. It doesn't go run right in line with with these others. Oh, but, it absolutely does. Oh, you they're think talking, it does? Yeah, they're talking about skepticism. Yeah, that's right. And so how it's important this, it is. It's this Evan Hafer or Hafer, whatever his name is, um, the guy who. I mean, we we likely could have known each other in high school. That that's how closely we. We were, he went, we were in high school at the same time in adjacent towns. Like if he ran track, we for sure ran on the same track with one another. Hmm. Um, but. So you guys go way back. We go way back. Yeah. Except, you know, he's hawking coffee and loving Donald Trump talking about skepticism and accountability for our politicians. Well, it's kind of hilarious that people won't try on skepticism in general. Like they need to be more skeptical. They need to push people in authority and power and hold them accountable for their words and their actions. Mr. Lover of Donald Trump, supporter of Donald Trump, has the temerity to say that we need to hold our leaders accountable for their words and their actions. You can get the fuck straight out of here, Evan Hafer, you hypocrite. Unbelievable, the balls. Can we also talk about, because we didn't cover this, but they're acting like this is a new concept that without vaccination, you cannot do certain things. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. And that this is just like an unbelievable violating the freedom and the liberty. I mean... Ma, ma. My freedom. What about how you need certain vaccinations to go to school? Yeah. Or the vaccination criteria for immigration to the United States? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, there's a list of vaccinations that yeah. are required if you're going to come to the United States. So there, well, it, it it just it rings hollow because both of these guys have the polio vaccine. Both of these guys have the the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. There is a, a litany of vaccines that both of these ding dongs have taken, and then but they're questioning this one mm-hmm. because that's the topic du jour. Yeah, that's the the con- that's a conspiracy du jour, the the conflict du jour, the culture war du jour. Yeah, well, so there's two things that I want to say just in summary here. Um, there's a Twitter account that is just says in mice. That's the that's the handle for it. And basically, all that account does is find these viral tweets talking about significant findings in. Um, in health research or whatever it might be saying that some cure was found or this found, you know, some huge improvement and they retweet the scientific finding and just say in mice, if the study was actually in mice and not in humans, we should start a Twitter account. That's uh, in chickens. I guess we might have to after this instant, but there was in an assignment that I was um, assigned in, in grad school. Wait, wait, wait. I know. You were assigned an assignment? Holy shit, yeah. Your grad school was way ahead of those other grad schools out there. I'm good at talking today. (laughs) You gave me shit. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was in my bio-psych class. Anyway, I can't remember. It was an assignment and... Well, you you need to look it up. Find your transcript. Figure it out. Because we can't move on until we know specifically. Okay. So... I I had to find uh, throughout the semester three or four different news articles summarize, summarizing a research article, and I had to compare the news article with the research article and determine the similarities and differences. And inevitably, every time I wrote this paper, there were significant inaccuracies in the news reporting of the scientific yeah, paper. Yeah, the journalistic account or the review, the summation, they gave the bad information. 
yeah, it was just incorrect or it wasn't the whole picture. It was just like someone reading the abstract, you know. Um, it's like they always there's like, oh, milk is bad. Milk is good. Milk is bad. A lot of times you'll you'll read the headline from the from the outlet with CNN or whatever. And they got it completely wrong. Yeah. And so here's the thing. It's really time consuming to do this. I mean, I did not want to read about fucking poultry today. And and I had to because we wanted to talk about this. Wait, the article was about having sex with chickens? Well, okay. That's that's actually a different article. That's more in line with uh, the morality research that I did in grad school. You want to know more about that? We can talk more about that. But um, that's for another time. That is for another time. So, but that was a useful exercise to illustrate how you sometimes can't rely on these shorthands. Now, if you find reputable people that communicate effectively about science, that's why you always make fun of me. But I praise Ed Young, my favorite science writer in the Atlantic. He's no, fantastic. I make fun of you that you have a favorite science writer. It's nothing to make fun of. It's just in jest. But I don't know anybody who has a favorite science writer. It's because you're awesome. You're a nerd, but you're awesome. That's it's a beautiful thing. So anyway, but I'm it, not going to miss a moment to make fun of you. Yeah. So what, what's happening right anyway, now? Anyway, if you find like your favorite, <laughs> and this is what I do. My shorthand is I find people that I trust who are intelligent. I follow them on Twitter, and they help keep me uh, on my toes and they help educate me and ensure that I'm staying on the right track and help inform me. So I I think that's a good way to do it. Now, Joe Rogan is really failing in this area. I mean, if you want someone who's communicating effectively about science, this is not an example of how to do that. And he could have anyone on his show. Yeah. He's Joe Rogan. He could have anyone on his show to talk about these issues. He could have platformed the virologist. One of the two men who was interviewed in that NPR clip was a virologist. Virologist. So Joe Rogan, again, anyone, millions of listeners, substantial platform on Spotify. That's what he could have done. Yeah. But he didn't do it. So I would recommend that um, you have to do your own work in a lot of these situations. And rather than taking what Joe Rogan says is gospel, when he talks about a research article, maybe look it up yourself, read it, uh, try to get access to it and figure out if what he is actually saying is valid. Absolutely. All right, we'd love to know what you think about this. You can call, leave us voicemail, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone like many do. Uh, I doubt it at dollamore.com. So m- moving on here, uh, this is very brief. Just really, we're, we were talking about uh, Matt Walsh, so I think it's apropos. Yeah. Talking about Daily Wire. Bring his boss in. Yeah, ben Shapiro is a guy who puts his foot in his mouth. A lot. <laughs> and uh, last night on Bill Maher's Real Time, which I have issues with just in general anyway, uh, he's, he's he's really become the both sides guy. You know what I mean? Uh, Bill Maher? Yeah, giving credence. Oh, well, you know, the both sides. We're talking about critical race, critical race theory. Yeah. and A terrible discussion. It's Malcolm it, Nance, who doesn't know anything about it. And then Ben Shapiro, who I think does know about it, but loves to uh, misinform. Yeah. And spread dis- disinformation, not mm-hmm. just misinformation, but purposefully spread disinformation about what exactly um, critical race theory is. That's a great characterization. So at the end, at the end of this discussion, um, Malcolm Nance gets a dig in up against Ben Shapiro mm-hmm. about his show. And uh, Ben Shapiro says, just a galaxy brain stupid fucking thing. Okay. You, you, you are literally defending critical race theory by redefining it as just teaching history, which is a cheap semantic trick, and you know it. Is this right. what you do on your show? Because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it, it, no, it, at, 
I appreciate that, but I, sure I, I, will, an, I, will, I will comfort myself I'm sure tonight by a, sleeping on my bed made of money. I'm sure we have an another adult subject to talk about. Well, how about that Andrew Cuomo? He can't let any conflict just be there. No tension can just be there. He would not be a good therapist. He's got to, he's got to, oh, let's move on, everybody. This was too much conflict. Um, I don't know why I'm doing the DJ voice a lot today. <laughs> but um, what an astoundingly arrogant, stupid thing to say. You know, I, sure I, will, I, will, I will comfort myself sure tonight by a... sleeping on my bed made of money. I love what you said yesterday when we initially watched this, which is he kind of like showed his hand. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the motivator, and he doesn't care if what he's saying is uh, inaccurate or terrible for society. He has money, and he's going to go home, right. and he's going to feel good about himself and sleep comfortably tonight. And Ultimately, it does. It boils down to... And I, sure I, will, I, will, I will comfort myself sure tonight by sleeping on my bed made of money. Also, just what a weird thing to say. Well, it's I, like, <laughs> it was like when he did that BBC interview, and he's like, well, I've never heard of you. It's like, <laughs> awesome, dude. Great. Well... You're, you're you're a badass, Ben Shapiro. Wait a minute, super badass. Are you saying that we're seeing a pattern of insecurity? Oh, of behavior that suggests some insecurity. Yeah, I, I think Ben Shapiro is deeply, deeply insecure. You know, with my my years of <laughs> of uh, psychology education and training. Is and it practice. his body language? Are you <laughs> is, are you reading his body language? Uh, I'm a body language expert. Yeah, I and, thought so. Uh, yeah, he's he's a he's a fucking mess. But moving, <laughs> listen, moving on. They 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 really let us into the to the perfect segue to talk about what's going on with Governor Andrew Cuomo right now, who, I'll say up front, should resign, Yeah, is uh, not a good guy. You know what, uh, Jesse, can I just ask you, mm. what about Donald Trump, actually? Um, are you going <laughs> to, wow. do you also, awesome. do you also hold those same views of Donald Trump? Unbelievable. That is so great. Well, what, what really? Why did you just go into a Trump? You're like, unbelievable. No, what really bothers me is when I tweet about Qu Cuomo needing to resign. Yeah. And people who follow me on Twitter, who know who the fuck I am, know my views. They say that. Well, what about Donald Trump? I've had people in my comments say, well, until Donald Trump is held accountable, I don't care what Andrew Cuomo says. Wow. Or does. Wow. Are you, what? Whew. Because right now, Yikes. Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, came out with a report, an investigation, an independent investigation led by two career prosecutors who this is their area of expertise, employment law, harassment, all of this. And they came to the conclusion that he harassed 11, more than 10 women. And it's not just offhand, shitty comments about their appearance. We're talking about actual groping, hugging, going in under the, brow, the, the blouse to grab her breasts. We're talking about specifically choosing a female state trooper to be on his detail because he found her attractive, I mean, ostensibly. And then while she's on duty, touching her with his hand at her navel and running his hand along her waist over to the side where she carries her weapon. We're talking um, about criminality here. I also, I just want to say for your sake, that when you say we're not just talking about sexual harassment here. Or, or yeah, 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 you're right. That is not you minimizing sexual harassment. That is you trying to 
help those people that you're talking about in your comments yeah, I understand get ahead of people who are going to try to downplay what took place right understand that maybe in their heads or their minds because they go automatically go to comparison because everything is partisanship for some reason um even sexual predation um they want to somehow try to minimize it so yeah, you're yeah. trying to get ahead of it understand this that. this is this goes beyond that if you're going to be one of those people that's minimizing sexual harassment thank you i'm sometimes i get uh in my own way and i'm glad you clarified because i certainly believe that he should go for making shitty sexual comments degrading sexual comments to his employees absolute or even non-employees yeah but to to touch a woman against her will to have um abrasive and insensitive comments with women who work for him who are rape survivors about whether or not they believe that their sex life could be this or that in the wake of their of their assault he's not a good guy and listen one i don't believe we should lionize our political figures whether it be uh, donald trump or andrew cuomo or bernie sanders and i don't say that because he has any sexual uh, impropriety charged against him. I say that because he is in large, in large ways, kind of a cult figure for people. Are you talking about the Cuomo sexuals? No, I, well, I was why I brought up Bernie Sanders. Oh, but, I see. But certainly with Andrew Cuomo, because people are like, oh, I got all my information about COVID from him during the during the, the the peak of the crisis. Well, why are you doing that? Because he didn't handle the crisis well. We've learned they admitted that they were holding back on what number. I'm gonna get now. I'm off the rails here. But they <laughs> deliberately didn't tell the truth about the numbers of deaths in nursing homes. They Their reason for doing that is because they feared the backlash. They feared that it would spark an investigation. They said that. That's not me. He didn't do a good job. And now we're learning he's so arrogant. He's so entitled to power that he's sexually abusing his staff, 11 women. And when his lawyer, they laid out the case. We'll put a link in the show notes. But when his lawyer comes to refute the claims, one, she doesn't refute the claims of 11 women. She only refutes the claims of three. And this is the manner with which she did it. And he said, I don't care when she said we're going, someone's going to see us. And then she walked out and left. Well, that's not what happened. She was at the mansion that day for several hours. She wasn't just working with the governor. She was working with other staffers. Emails that she sent while she was at the mansion reflect that she was joking while she was there. She was eating snacks. And she even offered to stay longer at the mansion when her work was done. There's no way that Andrew Cuomo could have done something uh, inappropriate because she had snacks. She had an appetite. She ate some Triscuits. How could he have grabbed her breast if she was eating snacks? I mean, what what world are we in right now? They did not put up any kind of defense whatsoever. Well, it's, also, it's Donna Rotuno all over again. You remember Harvey Weinstein's attorney? Yes. It's That's what this reminded me of. And um, uh, one of the victims, the alleged victims, has gone to the the Albany County Sheriff and they're, they're moving forward with criminal charges. Uh, the Sheriff has reached out to both the Attorney General and uh, another entity 
And it looks like they are going to at least probe the possibility of criminal charges against Andrew Cuomo. And he is being, uh, he is digging in his heels and refusing to resign. Now there's an impeachment inquiry that looks like it is going to be unavoidable for him. And he's not, he's going to pull a Donald Trump because he is in the, he is in the, 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 the mold of a Donald Trump figure, this macho machismo tough guy. That's what he is. Well, and I think this should be an important lesson. When I, when I talked about the Cuomo sexuals earlier, um, it was like a Randy rainbow thing, right? I have no idea where it originated, but yeah. you were in the middle of talking about something, not at all about Cuomo sexuals. And what happened was I started Googling and stopped listening to you. And so, um, <laughs> you mean like we do in regular life? That's why I said something that had nothing to do with what you were talking about. But, um, so I hope it's a lesson for people though, that kind of fell in with that, like Cuomo sexuals, loving Andrew Cuomo, right. Um, to just like not do that next time, you know, yeah. and it's Don't not hold these people up on a pedestal and it's not even like being suspicious of their motives. It's, it doesn't even need to be anything negative. It's just don't put them up on a pedestal because then it makes it that much difficult for you to admit that you were wrong. And and I think that's what happens for people defending Andrew Cuomo yeah. is that they had built him up and now it's, it's a little personal for them when they have to admit, yeah, I was wrong about him. Yeah. And maybe don't put yourself in that position if you're afraid to admit that you're wrong. I mean, some people don't care and can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but some people, I think, struggle with it. So hopefully it's a lesson to the Cuomo sexuals of maybe next can time. Can we quit saying Cuomo sexuals? Maybe next time. I fucking hate it. We don't want to get bamboozled by that kind of thing. Yeah. And also CNN dropping the ball. Chris Cuomo on his show. Yeah. Waiting when all this news broke. He opened his show and he's like, we're focused on COVID. <laughs> that, that was it. That's what he said. Also, by the way, hilarious, shitty, terrible. Uh, the, uh, CNN pulled a Fox News and Cuomo's like, ah, I'm going on vacation for five days. Yep. He's taking yep. a break. Yep. Taking a break. Like when he gets back after his five day hiatus, that that news isn't going to be there waiting for him because he was in. We're going to get again. We'll get into it next time. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. Email voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Moving on. It's the asshole of today. Rand Paul. Rand Paul, you say? That's weird. He doesn't seem like a, 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 a fair candidate to be asshole of today. Well, he recently made an appearance on Fox News. Wait. Ren Paul went on Fox News? He did, yeah. <sighs> That's very out of character for what a such a great gentleman. He made a wild claim. I, I mean, I know that Rand Paul is increasingly out there. Yeah. I don't know what happened to him. I, I honestly, I can't explain it but things have gotten worse i don't know if the neighbor situation knocked something loose and now he's just getting all radical but he made claims that um there are people immigrants that are being planted in various cities in order to spread covid he made this claim on fox news they're taking kids from down at the border who may have it, and they're plucking them up and putting them all over the United States as if they're wishing to seed the country with a new variant. It's an awful thing to do. But the bottom line is, for those who are saying, I won't go to a restaurant unless we force everybody to be vaccinated, 
If you're vaccinated, you are overwhelmingly safe from hospitalization and death. Mind your own business. Ugh. Unbelievable. And this I mean, is actually, let me retract that. Totally believable. Well, this is a new talking point. You're hearing it from Tucker Carlson. You're hearing it from uh, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, who is... Yeah, the reason they have a COVID spike that's off the charts right now is because of the border. Not being secure. (laughs) Even though there's no... They don't border Mexico. Yeah. They border the ocean. He said... President Biden needs to secure the border, and then we'll see what happens to those COVID numbers. Yeah, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> you mean the your border with Alabama and and Georgia? Is that the border you're talking about, Ron DeSantis? Yeah. So helmet headed freak. So this is the new talking point. So yeah. be aware of that because I think that you're going to start hearing it from your uh, grandparents and your parents. The you know the people who are watching sure. Fox and um, generally susceptible to believing these types of conspiracies. And you'll notice that Rand Paul kind of snuck that in there, you know, like the, he really wanted to drive home the the latter point that he made about vaccinations and being in restaurants. And the, the former just seemed kind Mind of your own business brushing over it, but planting the seed. Well, they're planting these these children around who may be infected. There's it, 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 it's always couched in these. I'm just asking questions. What? What? They know what they're doing. They're sowing doubt in the electorate. They're sowing doubt in the already vaccine hesitant. It's disgusting. It's 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 dangerous. And I'm sure they wanted evidence for that claim on the air. Oh, and, of um, course. You know they fact-checked him right there. Said, it's Fox News. Sir, stop right there. I'm going to need to fact-check that. Can you please provide evidence for that claim? Yes. Because we're Fox News and we... We care about the truth. Anyway, that's all. We'd love to know what you think about these and any other topics that you have on your mind. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Do we have anything else, Brittany Page? Uh, we do not. Just make sure that you check out Jesse D on oh, yeah. David Pakman's channel uh, Tuesday through Friday this next week. And be sure to give him some love. That would be nice. I am, you know, a little, admittedly, a little, a little nervous. I yeah. don't know why, because I'm just going to do the same thing I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, new eyeballs. We'll talk about the psychoanalysis of your dream that I had to do later, at oh, a later yeah, time. yeah, that's at a great a later one. That'll time. be next episode. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we love you guys. We would love to have your support. If you enjoy what we do, if we bring you value, and I hope we do, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast. It is a fantastic way for as little as $2 a month. You can support what we do. Like I said earlier, we're trying to get back on track to do two episodes a week. We're starting to do some planning on doing a lot more interviews, which will also be on camera. This is another element we're trying to do more of. The show is going to grow. This next year is going to be phenomenal. There's a lot of stuff on the table that we haven't even talked about that we will get to shortly. Anyway, we love you guys. We will see you next time. And until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.